and welcome to the Course in the Chaos podcast. I am Blake. I'm joined tonight, as always, by Mr. Jack Lee, our our shining Presbyterian brother. Uh, you will notice that Grayson is not with us tonight. Uh, he is out ill, uh, fighting the migraine monster, uh, and so hopefully by the time you hear this, he will have recovered. Wait, yeah, I guess I really hope so. It's like a week out, huh? right? <laughs> oh, wait, are, is this how early are we? F- hmm. It's like it comes out in like two days. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, we, but we, still, we still hope. We still hope <laughs> that Grayson is up on his feet again. Uh, we've been moving through uh, this series in season two on common struggles of the Christian life. Uh, if you go back, if you're just jumping in now, we'd really encourage you to jump into. Uh, Episode one, talking about getting into God's word. Uh, that's going to be really foundational to everything that we say uh, in this in this series. We just got done with like a sub-series, I guess you could call it, uh, speaking on generosity, um, selfishness, uh, greed, all of these different kinds of uh, areas. What was our other one, Jack? I think we ended up doing four, didn't we? Yeah, covetousness, greed, yeah. contentment. Maybe there was another one in there. Right, but, right. So we're kind of yeah. shifting gears now uh, and really looking at, I guess you could say, personage. Uh, we're going to, we started off kind of talking with uh, Nancy uh, Piercy. I almost said Nancy Pelosi. That would be a whole different podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, on a whole uh, different way. <laughs> right, right. Whole <laughs> different direction there. Um, but we were, uh, ended up talking, uh, had a really great interview, I thought, uh, with... Uh, um, Dr. Piercy on her uh, new book that's out now on the toxic war against men. And uh, I hope that was beneficial to you for those who heard it. Uh, along with that thought, uh, if you have not uh, subscribed to the podcast yet, uh, we would really appreciate that. Send it to your friends, your family, your enemies, uh, all of those things. We would love to see your uh, comments and feedback. That just helps us with circulation and, and things like that. And it's not because we think that we're so brilliant, but everything we do, we try to base in God's word. And God's word never returns void. So, And we have a lot of fun doing it as well. So that being said, tonight's subject is on biblical masculinity. And unfortunately, uh, Grayson, again, not here with us. So this podcast episode is only two thirds as masculine as it should be, or it could be tonight. So biblical masculinity, Mr. Jack, you're a child of the eighties and nineties. Yeah, Mm. I am. Right. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, as yeah, as as I am. Uh, when you think of the the cultural context when we were growing up, of how masculinity is pictured, what comes to your mind? Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> it really does. I don't yeah. Know why. Right. Right. It just does. Like that's what yeah. I think of. Like, oh, here's ideal. Here's manhood idealized. Right. Sylvester right. Stallone. Yeah. Because yeah. we, yeah, we were really like in that, uh, like the peak of the macho film, right? Oh, like I love the it. action. Yeah. Like the, o- like the action star. Yeah. Yes. yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you got uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And so growing up in, in that uh, kind of culture, I guess it depends on, you know, where you, where you were and what your parents were letting you watch too. But uh, growing up in that culture, manliness or masculinity uh, for me as a kid was the kind of rough and tough and buff guy, 
you know, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, all of those guys. And if you look at, you know, what that kind of culture of a film was, was pushing, um, that the masculine man is edgy. Uh, he's jacked, you know, he's, he's ripped. Uh, the ladies love him. Men fear him and women want to be with him, you know, kind of, kind of yeah. guy. Uh, and so that, you know, that's the thing that was, that was put out and that is held up as uh, a, a masculine man. It's interesting though, in our day and age, how the picture of, of manhood and masculinity has changed even in a short, you know, 20, 30 years, how even the cultural's take on masculinity uh, has changed. Yeah. And when you look at the landscape of the cultural take of masculinity, uh, there's like two extremes uh, that are fed to us, right? The yeah. first extreme is what? Oh, well, I mean, it would be that masculinity, this idea of manliness. And we'll just go with that for now. Yeah. M maybe yeah. machoism, whatever it is. Yeah, right. Is extraordinarily toxic. And it's right. got to be canceled. Right. Like, men should be feminine. Is, right, is, right. Or effeminate, it, right. Like yeah, it's, and that's it's, the it's solution, a, right? The solution, solution to right. this toxic masculinity is yeah. to feminize men. Yeah, you know, and and we touched on a lot of that uh, with our interview with uh, Dr. Piercy. So you've got this like one aspect of that masculinity is toxic, and anything that would define you as a man uh, needs to be shut down and put down, right? Yeah. Uh, or it's, even it's a seen cancer. as it's right, like, it's a like cancer. A cancer, right, yeah. right. It's 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 barbaric. It's it's uh, all, I mean all of these different things that are you know attached to that. But then on the other side, on the cultural kind of understanding of masculinity, you know, a very popular uh, character on social media, you know, like Andrew Tate, uh, who for a lot of secularists uh, are promoting him as in his ways and his videos and. You know, if you've never seen any of his stuff, don't waste your time. Uh, because really what it is, is it's just like this, he he promotes this like pimp lifestyle, you know, uh, lots of women, uh, lots of riches, uh, all of these different kinds of things. And so you get this really wrong view uh, of masculinity from the culture. And these are, I would say, primarily the two main things uh, yeah. that are being pumped out to us as as a, as a people. Yeah. Uh, and particularly when you think young men, you know, like what, the, what is the message that is being received by young men in today's world? It's either that you need to kill everything that makes you a man, or you need to run to this uh, really strange, perverse, lust-filled, greed-filled extreme uh, and, you know, talk about your Bugattis and things like that. So, right. yeah, there's no, there's nothing else. Like, that's it. Right, right, that's like all that that's there is. Yeah. right. It is, it is one of those two things, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that where you land. So, you know, go ahead. Let me jump in here. You yeah. got me thinking because you, you know, we talked about Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Yeah. These guys. That was the picture right. of masculinity. Did right. you ever see the movie A Quiet Place? Came uh, yeah. out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That know, um, five, came out a few years ago, ago right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, listener, right. a great movie. It is kind of a scary film, and it's really intense. Yeah. Uh, I think it's rated PG 13. It's actually rather clean other than the scary factor. Mm -hmm. And it is kind mm -hmm. of scary. Right. But for all intents and purposes, um, and actually wrote, I, I blogged about this whenever the movie came out five or yeah. six years ago, 
but that movie just stands out to me so much because it's when you think about movies and like what the culture portrays as masculinity, I don't think mm -hmm. they set out to do it, but I can't think of a better film in recent history that demonstrates what biblical masculinity, at least in an art form, right, represents like. and looks like. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Because what, what you have here, and if you're not familiar with the story, the general, the general gist of it, again, look it up, make sure it's safe for you and your family. Yeah. Um, it can be scary. Yeah. I but, would say it's one of the few like horror thriller films that a Christian could watch in good conscience. Yeah, absolutely. There's you know? yeah. Yeah. No, it's no, not, uh, there's no, no ghost demonic stuff. Yeah. Like, no gore, no nudity, nothing like that. Yeah. It's, so, it's yeah, basically yeah. these monsters, aliens. I don't know what they are, right? You don't really yeah. know, but they came down and if you make no, they, they are like giant ears or something, but they hear you. And if they hear <laughs> you, they kill you. Yeah. And so, but, but the whole story is about, and it's incredible because it shows the beginning starts off pretty intense. And then it's like mm -hmm. a year later or something like that, mm -hmm. some period of time. And what you learn is this man has taken his family and created and cultivated a life for them in such a way to protect his family that they can live and survive in a world without talking. Right. And he's soundproofed his house. He's found ways to protect them. He's rigged right. things to, uh, uh, for his wife is even pregnant. Like, how is he going to take care of her? He's teaching his son how to, how to fish and how to provide in case something right. happens for him. And the whole movie right. is about loving and self-sacrificing, protecting and doing everything he can for his family. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's exactly. the film. And, if, right. and what's really cool is John Krasinski. It's the guy from the office. Like he, yeah. he wrote that. And I just think, I think this is kind of neat Whether again, he didn't intend to do this, but what <laughs> right. he, he wrote it as a love letter to his children. Like as mm. a, I wrote this film is like, this is what I would do for you. Right. And, on the off chance that big eared that aliens, aliens come, ever down, come yeah. down, yeah, I would totally do it. Yeah, but it's funny because you you compare that with like a Schwarzenegger film or something. And growing up, that's like what is like, oh, this is what being a man is. Like right. it's like I've got to kick down some doors, break some car windows, and right, whatever, right, whatever they do. But the thing reality, that sticks out in my mind is the scene from Predator. Yeah. where they're all lined up and they're just mowing the jungle down. <laughs> yeah. Like that was like a pinnacle moment in my childhood right there. That is the most macho right. movie ever made. Right. <laughs> there may not be a female in that entire movie. It's right. just a bunch of guys with, no, like, just, doing stuff. Yeah. yeah, and just shooting trees and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I digress. Great movie. You're thinking about like film and masculinity. Look yeah. it up. Make sure you can deal with it because it is scary and it's intense. Yeah. Uh, but in a picture of what masculinity looks like in kind of an art form, right? Yeah. Like it is, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, hey. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that is a rare glimpse of something accidentally happening. It, it is absolutely, <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> accidentally, <laughs> accidentally falling into place. Yep. Um, but again, I think anybody who's alert to our culture at all, uh, can see that, most times you've got uh, just this war again against uh, masculinity. So yeah. our goal tonight, uh, other than reminiscing like a couple old guys about our 80s and 90s films, um, <laughs> is to really declare, I guess, what the Bible says about masculinity. And on the flip side of that, uh, next time we will be uh, discussing what biblical femininity looks like. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we actually dis that we discussed, um, and this is maybe jumping a little bit ahead, is you know do we need uh, do we need a, a lady to help us with the femininity podcast? But I think ultimately what we ended what we landed on was 
Well, no, because God's word speaks clearly on these things. Amen. And so when we look at what it means to be a biblical man and what it means to be a biblical woman, this isn't the realm of opinion. This is the realm of, well, this is what the Lord has said. Okay. Mm. Uh, and so we're going to be operating a lot out of that. That being said, this is a huge subject, uh, masculinity and femininity. Uh, with lots of applications, lots of outworkings. I mean, things that we couldn't possibly all cover. And so what we're giving you tonight is really a skeletal form of uh, a few major points. And then you get to do the wonderful work of seeing those things actually playing out in yep. your life. In your yeah, life. There's, there's a myriad of ways you could, you oh, could take this and apply it and interpret it towards the culture. Right. Like... We, we, there could be an entire podcast, not like an episode, an entire <laughs> podcast, like, right. like the whole thing. Every episode is about how you apply biblical masculinity and femininity, how you right. live that out in the culture. Yeah. Right? You, right. There's just so much. And the culture is so bizarre and so terrible. Yeah. It's so yeah. like it never, it, there's right. always something. Right. Uh, but like, like Blake, like Blake said, we're, we're not here to do that. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not enough time, but what we can do. And what we hope is a blessing unto you is we can expound some of the biblical biblical principles. And then as Blake said, uh, you have the wonderful task and it is a privilege mm -hmm. to take that, pray with it, ask the, the Holy Spirit to, to guide you, um, talk to your pastor, talk to your elders yeah. and figure out ways that you can uh, within your lives and in your churches and in your families begin to live a more biblical way in yeah. the way God has designed us uh, yeah. to, to be. And even if you just have to start putting in some new things, I mean, because everybody you know comes from different backgrounds and different situations and things like that. And maybe you're, you know, a different stage of life than, than we are and things like that. But I am confident that if you apply what it means to be a biblical man or a biblical woman, uh, that you will see unfolded before your eyes, the wisdom of God. Yeah. in doing it the way that he has done it. It's always the case that when we derail from, uh, or that when we uh, uh, divert from God's plan or God's ways or God's instructions, the things get crazy. And if you want to yeah. look, I mean, just the, 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 um, the sexual concept of our culture and identity uh, and all those things, the reason that we're so confused right now as a culture is because we have gone away from the simple uh, understanding of what God has said and what God has in intended. And yeah. when you do that, you get off into La La Land, which is yeah. where we are right now. We are residents of La La Land, living under the mayors of La La Land. Yes, we are. So Blake, uh, one last thing before we jump yeah. into this. Yeah. Uh, do you wanna plug the book that you used primarily for this? And I can hold it up here for the video. because Yeah. So we have a couple of resources, I think, actually, between the two of us. Uh, the Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. Um, yep. Excellent. It's not Brooks, right? It's Watson. It's Watson. I yeah, it's all right. right. The, when you looked at it, I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Right. No. So Thomas Watson, I think I've said this before, is probably my favorite Puritan writer of all, like if I was playing that island book game where I could only take five, I mean, I, Watson would definitely make it in there. I'd love the way that he writes. I love how thorough he is. The Godly Man's Picture is like 30 some odd uh, characteristics of a godly man. 
Uh, and the, if I'm not mistaken, when, when Watson wrote this book, uh, he intended it for young men. Um, but I mean, it is good for uh, men of any age. Uh, wonderful reminders. Very, very rich. Um, uh, another book that I would recommend, uh, that I just reread this week, uh, was Men and Women in the Church by Kevin DeYoung. Uh, he talks about, you know, basically what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, and then the application of those things in the local body. So a little bit of a different twist on that, but also very good. Uh, and then you read a Chally's book, uh, yeah, this, I, this week. I, um, so we were on vacation and I actually audio booked it because I was driving back from, from Colorado, but I listened to the entire thing while driving and I'll hold it. It's kind of a weird way to do it. Hold my <laughs> right. phone, but yeah. it's a, it was a great book run to win by Tim Chally's. Yeah. Uh, and it's the lifelong pursuit of a godly man. Uh, right. Very good book. Very probably uh, easier for just someone to pick up and digest maybe than a Puritan. If you're not used to reading them, sometimes they can be a little wordy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly more contemporary. I think it was written four years ago or something like that, but a very good right. book. Tim Chal right. Everything Tim Challies does is, right. is very good. So Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And Men and Women in the Church was just written, I think, last year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so those are two. Uh, so you kind of have some, you have some options, I guess, yes. for your your thing on biblical masculinity. Yes. Well, let's jump into this, Blake. So maybe maybe the first point we want to make, just in a, kind of an extension of introduction, foundational, right? Is that uh, it should, if we're going to begin, we should begin simple, and remind everyone that men and women both are made in God's image, and that's a great right. place to start. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is <laughs> when you get into this conversation about what what defines a man, what defines a woman, uh, and what God's intentions and purposes are of them. You you inevitably get into this section on or this idea of um, of roles, you know, gender roles and things like that. Like yeah. we believe there are biblical gender roles that God has laid out, and we'll actually talk about some of those things. But you have to keep in mind that God created men and women, and he created them of equal value, though they have different roles, okay? That is going to be foundational to our understanding of this, that we're not saying that men are more important than women or more valuable than women, and women aren't more valuable than men. Uh, they are both valuable. They are both created in God's image. Christ died for men and women alike, yep. but they have different roles, different responsibilities, uh, different places in society, uh, and God is wise in doing it this way. But the fundamental requirement of biblical masculinity, I mean, so starting foundationally, the fundamental yeah. requirement of biblical masculinity is if you want to be a masculine man, you must be in right relationship with God. Like Amen. you can't, you cannot fulfill your role as a man in the even. I would say not just the eternal uh, scheme of things, but even in the temporal scheme of things, you cannot fulfill your role as a man if you do not have a right relationship with God. And kind of right. the famous text that's attached to this is, is Micah 6, 8. Um, and the, I guess it's kind of a, a masculine mandate, I guess you could say. Hmm. You mean to read that? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 
to walk humbly with your God. Like, what is good? What is 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 masculinity good? Yes. What is good in all of this? To walk humbly with your God. So to yeah. walk humbly with God requires a few foundational things, right? Yeah, you got to repent, repent, and believe the gospel. <laughs> right, like, right. So again. again, it sounds elementary, but if you don't get the the, the foundation right, uh, everything gets wonky when yep. you when you try to build on it. You know, it's it's uh, we keep saying it's foundational, and it and it is. It absolutely is, and it's so important. But again, to to kind of just a quick reference to the culture, the foundational things about what it means to be a man have com are so far removed from the cultural's purview, right? Yeah. Like. Like yeah. they've just forgotten right. down to simple biology, like, right. Right, right. To not go on off a tangent, but to stress, if, if you're looking to build out masculinity, start simple and go to the roots and really hold on to those because that foundation is so critical for right. how you live this out and how that eventually plays out in the way you interact with your family, culture, work, whatever else. So, right. Right. Sorry. And it's not as complicated. See, sin complicates things and makes us stupid, Right. And so not that's only a, is that's a good quote, not only as individuals, but as a, but as a culture, you know? Yeah. And so we ask questions like, well, what is it? Like, how do we define a, a, a man, a biological man, a biological woman? Like, how do we do these things? It is very simple that the Bible says God created them male and female. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew, have you not read in the beginning, he made them male and female. And so it's yeah. not it's not a rainbow, it's not a spectrum, it's not all these different things. You're you're either a man or you're a woman. Okay. Yeah. And God has specific roles for you as a man, and certain responsibilities for you as a man, and certain responsibilities for you as a woman. Right. Now, the foundational truth, as we mentioned, for both of those begins with a right relationship with Christ, which means repenting and believing the gospel. If you're listening to this and you've made it this far in if you don't know christ as savior turn from your sins repent repent pause of your the sins pause turn off the <laughs> podcast and repent, please right right Re repent of your sins and believe on the lord jesus christ amen he died for you he lived the perfect life that you could not live uh one of the things that we will see in this masculinity thing is that we fail right that we don't meet the standard uh, and we don't meet the standard of obedience and righteousness and all those things, which is why we need Christ, who was our perfect obedience, right? Yeah. And so the foundationally, repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus died for sinners. That's me. That's Jack. That's you. Um, secondly, we need to have um, – to walk humbly with God would also include then that – we are dependent on God, or we have a sense of dependence on God. So not only do we repent and believe, but we also understand that God is the one who meets every spiritual and every physical need. That is to say that I cannot survive without God. Right. Uh, I can't provide for my family without God. I cannot, um, I cannot, uh, walk humbly. I cannot be pleasing to God. I mean, any of the, like all, everything that it means to be a man is dependent on a right relationship with him and a dependence on him. Mm. Now, the issue here is, of course, whether you recognize his, that you are dependent on him or not, you are, right? The Bible tells us that the Lord gives us our next breath. Like you can't even breathe 
without him. So you are dependent, uh, but it does make a difference in recognizing that dependence on him because it's humbling, right? There's no yeah. place for pride. Uh, there's no place to look out over your kingdom and say, look at what I have built for myself. Uh, when you are saying every good thing comes down from the father. Okay. Right. Uh, along with that, uh, to walk humbly with God means simple obedience to Christ. Uh, if you want to be a godly man, you will be a man of the word and you will be a man of uh, discipline. You will be a man of uh, following after Christ. You'll be a disciple. Um, where, where you stray from that is where you go, where you go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the areas that I, we talked about um, before in kind of preparation for this also is when you get into these conversations about masculinity, uh, it's easily it's easy to get into one vein. Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, Jack and I are both uh, we're both married men. We have children. Uh, we're about the same age. You know, uh, Jack's a little better looking than I am. You know, but you know, all the <laughs> Jack's silence in that. I shook my head. Really, I know, but people some people aren't <laughs> watching it, Jack. <laughs> Josh is looking like pathetic. <laughs> no, okay. Now I've now I've jumped the track here. Now we're wrong. Um, yeah, right. Now we've where where were we again? Um, there is a there is a. It is easy to get off like in one vein, right? To talk about like, well, this is what it means to be a godly man with a wife and with children and things like right. that. Uh, but that may not be applicable to every man listening even. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're a young man. Maybe you're an old man. Maybe you're a, a widower. I mean, all of these you know, different kind of uh, things are taking place here. But I think what we see in Scripture is what we might call an unfolding, uh, a principle of unfolding responsibility for a man. So yeah. moving from that foundational walking humbly with your God – uh, you know, there's lots of veins that pop out from that uh, and different corridors of life that you walk down. Uh, so as a young man, as a child or as a teenager, you know, you have different responsibilities to God and to others um, in that stage and stage of life. As an adult man, as a single man, uh, you have different uh, responsibilities and directions that you're going. You know, when you're a married man, that is a different uh, kind of unfolding of responsibility. Now you have new, uh, new responsibilities laid on you. Um, if the Lord blesses you with children, now you have a wife and children that you are responsible for. Uh, you know, if yeah. things continue on, uh, go ahead, Jay. Oh, it's just to say, and I, and I think as sin would do, as sin would do and Satan would do this idea of having, you know, realm, different realms of responsibility for the different phases of manhood. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things that Satan has confused more than anything else. Like right. we have this uh, ongoing problem in our culture now where men never grow up. Right. Right. Like right. you think perpetual about well, childhood, perpetual childhood, like yeah. th there's s some general advice and this is kind of, again, just a general principle and we'll continue to elaborate on this. But if you want to exhibit biblical masculinity, act your age. Yeah. It just yeah. kind of a general principle. Like we're, we're called when you're a father, you're called to be a father. When you're a husband, you're called to be a husband. And there's, there's, you know, that means something that right. means something. There's calls to commands. There's prescriptive elements of what it means to implement that in your life. Right. Um, 
So I'll just be as blunt and people may turn off the podcast, but if you're, if you're in your twenties and you spend an enormous amount of time playing video games in your mom's basement, yeah. stop. It's always the guy in his mom's basement. It's always a guy. Yeah. 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 It's always, yeah. Not his dad's he's, basement. His mom's yeah. Basement. He's the cultural. Yeah. He's the one that's easy to culturally flog. He, he is. Yeah. He is. So yeah. I, I'm painting with a broad brush, but, yeah. but video games have created that, it's not, it's not just video game tribe, but, but they are a big component because people get addicted to them and they just sit there and play them right. and men never right. grow up. Right. And when you have a culture that really just wants to feminize men and demasculize them, um, it plays into that, right? Because men don't have to grow up. They don't have to take responsibility. Right. Um, right. And, and, but all that to say, you know, yeah. I, I'm not trying and, to pick on anyone in particular, but right, right. act your age. Like, if, yeah. you know, yeah. Stop being a child and be a man. Right. Uh, and what is it? First Corinthians, hang yeah. six, First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Right. Right. Like, do what you're supposed to do. Right. I would. I would think too that if we were like circling in on that a little closer, uh, in every stage of life, you have primary responsibilities, and those responsibilities, oftentimes, which is what we will see are God-given responsibilities. They're not yeah. just cultural responsibilities, right? Right, right. Uh, and so whatever phase you're in uh, as you're listening to this, whether you're a father, a grandfather, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a young teenager and, uh, you know, God willing, you've got your whole, you know, life ahead of you on, on these things. Um, remember that what we're getting at here is there are realms of responsibility and we're not holding one man as more important than others because it is easy to get into. I remember as, as a single guy, uh, I hated podcasts like this because inevitably they dove into what well, is what it means to be a father and a husband. It's like, okay, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get to that point. Right. Uh, you know, I think we have friends, uh, mutual friends and things that we we've taught to, uh, that are in singleness. They desire to get married and stuff like that. One of the things that we are always reiterating is walk with God now and he will work it out, you know? Yep. And if he doesn't work it out, he will give you the grace uh, to abide the same way that he did with the apostle Paul, who was not married, did not have children. Uh, and yet I think you could ask Paul if his life um, was spent rightly. I think he would say yes. <laughs> I think we have the biblical example. I think he would. That, yes. that it was, yeah, right, right. In fact, he says, yeah. if you could remain single, do, do it. it. Yeah. Do it. Spend yourself for Christ. Yeah. Well, let's talk to Blake. Maybe we can shift gears and talk about where that responsibility yeah. comes from. Because I would argue uh, this nature of responsibility, God-given responsibility for what it means to be a man goes all the way back to the garden. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the creation ordinances, like, we move past those too quick, I think, as a Christian culture. Big deals, yeah. Because there are things that are happening, like, before the fall, that if everything is called good and very good... We should pay attention to those things, okay? And this is where it'd be really easy to dive off into the Lord's Day, but I won't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in the creation of man, okay? So this is God's idea. God creates men and he creates women. He makes them distinct, but he makes them complementary. The pieces fit together with the man and the woman, if you will. Yep. In the beginning, God creates Adam. And there's this little glimpse of Adam's life that we get between his creation and the 
uh, creation of Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And what are some, like, in your mind, like, what are some things that stand out? Because as I was reading through this and putting this together, there are some little subtle things that I think are really, really important. You mean the Genesis 2 Yeah, text? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I don't so, know what you're going for, but yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> it's like you, you're like, give me an alley oop. I don't like, I don't know where you're at. Yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah. But, but for, for me, I guess when I read that text, I see this this general giving of responsibility uh, for for Adam to you know tend to the garden, to guard it, to flourish it, take responsibility right. for what's been right. entrusted to him. Like it's just this general, yeah, yeah. God, th- so, God, give Adam. This is yours, right? take care of it. Be a good steward with what I'm giving you in right. all facets. So in, yeah. So like between his create Bam's creation and the creation of Eve, uh, Genesis two, 15, 16 and 17. Like I'll just read it real quick because yeah, I think it's, it's really crucial. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Okay. So we've got some, we've got some things there yep. and the Lord God, uh, <clears throat> and the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay. So what's going on here? First off, we have the man right where God has placed him. Like God puts him in the garden. Okay. So foundationally, wherever you are in life right now, if you have a robust belief in the sovereignty of God, what is taking place in your life, your your age, your stage, your phase, all of that um, is God ordained. Okay. Yep. And so accept where you are now and be godly in it. Okay. Um, and don't, and don't, uh, don't, it's like, I remember a lot of old people telling me I was growing up, don't wish your life away. You know, don't just long for the next phase, uh, but, you know, live in godliness where you are right now. I think the yeah. other interesting thing is, so he puts Adam in the garden, gives Adam a big old beanbag chair, and just says, just just relax, just kick back, right? No. Play that Final Fantasy right. game. You, you play that Final Fantasy <laughs> six, which is arguably the best video game of all time. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Special bonus content. <laughs> We will make fun of the guy that plays video games, and then we will get to talking about video games. Um, the uh, So he places Adam in the garden, and what is he supposed to do? To work it and to keep it. Okay, yeah. So before the fall, we have a man where God wants him, working and keeping. Okay, He's, he's tending to, he has a mission in life, if you will, of provision and care and all of those things. And then... In verse 17, he says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. And so another responsibility of Adam there is what? Upholding God's commands. Yeah. So before the fall, you have Adam in relationship with God. You have him working. And you have him living in obedience to God. God gives a command. And Adam's responsibility, which we will see later, is to uphold God's commands, which, of course, we know he he fails to do, um, as and we often can, fail to and, do. And I'll add, uh, 
I'm kind of interjecting here, but yeah, th that's to make in, in the spirit of leading to make sure that that's upheld with within his, you know, uh, his wife, basically Eve. Right. right? It, it's his job to make sure that she's doing the right thing, like to help right. her. Like, because isn't that exactly? Oh, go ahead. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, I thought I thought you were can tell me how no. wrong I was. No, no. I mean, isn't that exactly what happens? Right? It is. Yeah. yeah. What exactly then, what happens is you see that Eve that he is responsible for Eve because part of the curse is what he failed to protect his family. He yes, failed to protect his wife. Yeah. Um, this That's is such a, a big deal. That's such a big deal that people miss. Yeah. It's such a big deal. Right. Um, and again, when it comes to responsibility, what it means to be a man, one of the biggest things and one of the best, the best things I could say is, take responsibility to own lead and protect what God has entrusted to you. Right. Right. You don't, if you have a wife and if you have children, you have one of the greatest responsibilities as a man. And you don't have the luxury of just sitting back passively and letting life go by passivity was the first, you know, great error of Adam. I think, yeah. I mean, when you look at uh, Genesis three, uh, one of the things that people miss, I think a lot is, um, Du, 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 du. I have to find the verse now. We're going off notes here. Uh, verse six. Uh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was there with her. What was and he doing? He ate. What was he doing? <laughs> He's watching all this go down. I mean, I think, I take it as, I know there's a few different interpretations of that, but I take it as that Adam is watching what is taking place. Yeah. He allows his wife to be deceived by the serpent. And perhaps the grossest, one of the grossest facets of it is the promise that if the day you eat, you shall surely die. He lets his wife eat it. Mm. You know? It doesn't stop. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It doesn't her. stop her. Yeah. And then she eats it. She doesn't immediately die, gives it to Adam. Yeah. And then Adam, you know, partakes of it. And you see that he had a responsibility to protect his family because that is explicitly stated uh, in, in the curse. So if you look mm -hmm. in Genesis 3, 11, uh, he said, who told you, uh, uh, or the Lord says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Okay, so the Lord says, you were the one that was given the command and the responsibility to not eat, and yet you have eaten. And then in verse uh, 17, if you drop down, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, and, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So in principle, you see Adam had the responsibility to care for and to lead his wife and he chose not to do it you know yeah um passive tragic. spiritually tragic. yeah spiritually passive men are one of the biggest cancers in western christian church culture and what is our and, and again to go back to where we started what is the culture trying to get men to be feminine Pat, effeminate and passive yeah. Yeah. It like goes, everything about it goes right back to the garden. Like if you were, it's right there, it's right. right there. And what's beautiful is, and I love that this is, is your next thing. How, how can I say this? How, 
the inverse, the example we have in Christ, how different in such a glorious, magnificent way is that, where you have Adam passively letting his bride eat judgment, like eat death. Right. Whereas Christ steps in, assumes the curse, dies self-sacrificially right. for her. Like it is the, right. and that's, that's why Paul goes to great. It's so beautiful. I see oh, you smiling. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Read Romans. If you've not read Romans lately, go read yeah. the, like, what is it? Is it five? I think it's yeah. five. Yeah. Every, everywhere that Adam fails, Christ yeah. succeeds gloriously. Yes. And another one of my favorites is Matthew four. So now that we're on this is in Matthew four, uh, the temptation of Christ and oh, how yeah, it yeah. parallels yeah. the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden and how the Lord just comes through and shining, you know, as truly the better Adam, you know, yeah. the new and better Adam. Uh, and so really great, really, really great parallels there. Oh, it's so uh, beautiful as well. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. So you get this whole thing of, again, uh, Adam's supposed to be in, in, uh, He's in relationship with God. He's supposed to be upholding God's commands. Uh, he is to be protecting his family, uh, which means, you know, and, and, and there's a two-pronged kind of thing to that, which we touched upon, uh, that there is a physical aspect. I mean, the women are never told in the Bible uh, to take up arms and protect their family. Uh, the men are told that in several places. And the, the fact of the matter is that in a sinful world, to protect others from violence may require violence. You know, yeah. uh, biblical manhood is when you hear a bump in the night, you are the one that gets out of bed and investigates. You don't send your wife to do it, right? Okay, unless yeah. she's a really good shot, and then maybe <laughs> she could run. She could run cover for you. You know, and you get this beautiful <laughs> partnership going on, and yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, so there's so there's some of that aspect. Uh, Nehemiah four thirteen through fourteen, uh, just a practical kind of command. There is, you know, grab your swords and spears and protect your family. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you can look that up, uh, but we won't go there for for sake of time. But then there is also the spiritual protection uh, mm. aspect. I, I've you've probably seen this. Oh, actually, you might have posted it on the Course in the Chaos, or maybe I saw it somewhere else, or maybe Grayson posted it. I don't know. Uh, the uh, that conversion statistic that when the man comes to know oh, yeah, Christ yeah. first, it's like 95% like, or something like, like that. Like 93, 95% of the time, if the man, if the father and husband comes to know Christ, that his children and his wife come to know Christ. Yeah. If the wife is the one or the mother is the one who comes to know Christ first, that statistic drops down to like 17%. Yeah. And then if it's the kids, it drops down to like three to 5% or something like that. Yeah. The influence that a man has over his, his wife and his children is something that is given to him by God. And it is a responsibility that he will be accountable for. Like you will stand before God and answer to how you protected yep. and spiritually guided your, your family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's fast. It's for, for, this is just me. I'm not even advocating this, but for me personally, one of the more compelling apologetics of just looking at the truth of scripture is looking at things like this. And when you see societies where they pattern themselves after, after with the, the biblical model where men lead and right. women are complementary, And again, like, cause it's, this is the culture we live in. I feel like I have to say this. That's not a devaluing of women yeah. in any, my wife is so much sweet, smarter sweet than me nuance. and there's yeah. so, 
sweet. <laughs> There's so many things she yeah. is so much better than me at. But there are um, things that you're better than your wife. At, exactly. Right? And that's the right. Point. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. It's not a competition. Right. Like we're not right. competing. I'm given a job responsibility by God instituted in the garden established. Right. And when men live that out it, they, to go back to the quiet place, just reference it one more time. I think that's the general theme. This is like yeah. a commercial for that. Movie. <laughs> right. 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 But the general theme of that is <laughs> it, it, when, in the sequel, when men act like men, societies thrive. Hmm. And you see that in scripture. Look, right. just think of just passively kind of step back and look at, look at Israel and right. And when men, right. when men act like men, when they have yeah. good Kings and they're leading and doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Right. What happens to Israel? They thrive. Everyone's yeah. They're blessed. They're blessed. Yes. They thrive. They see all these things. If when the, when the Kings divert from that, they go into idolatry and lust and, and all these different things, there's problems. Okay. So you hear that Kings, you hear that Kings be godly. All <laughs> be right. Godly. Yeah. But, but, right. but you see that. And I don't know, not to, to go on. It's a pretty simple point, but as an apologetic, if you just look right. back to the course of history, it's like, right. You see it. It's, it's natural. Right. There are, it's, there are like some truisms, I guess yeah. you could call them. Yeah. Just that are just, uh, observe observances. Right. 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 Because it's mandated in the garden in creation. Right. That in godly that societies, yes. people are thriving. You know, yep. families are thriving. The Presbyterians are drowning the Baptists. <laughs> it's you know, it's all, it's good. It's good. You know, it's what you want to see. The uh, another creation mandate uh, for the man is work, and we did touch upon that. You know, the yep. God places Adam in the garden and puts him to work. That means that Adam is, like it or not, the primary provider. Uh, for his family, if you will. Yep. Of course, all of that ability given to him uh, by the grace of God. Now, this is, inev this is inevitably where people interject with the... Um, I wish Grayson was here because he, he says this, and he always says it right, and I always say it wrong, that the exception is not the rule. Is that right? The exception, right. Is, the exception does not wise. make the rule. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that sounds like something Grayson would say, sure. <laughs> But people immediately want to interject with, oh, yeah, well, what about, you know, the man has to be the man is supposed to be the primary provider for the home. Oh, yeah. Well, I have a cousin that uh, had uh, lost his legs and his arms and doesn't have any teeth, you know, I mean, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like he can't provide for his family. It's like, OK, yeah. So there are circumstances, of course, even providential. We could call them providential circumstances. Which I'm pretty sure is an oxymoron. But anyway, we'll move on quickly from that. Things like unemployment and illness and injury, um, those kinds of things, those circumstances, those are not deliberate things. Those are seasons of life. There's yeah. a difference between a circumstance and a deliberate arrangement. Okay? Yeah. There's a difference between I could work, I could provide, but I choose not to. Yeah. And so I'll send my wife out to be the, the breadwinner. Yeah. Now that might look different in uh, different, you know, situations. I mean, you know, who knows, maybe you married into uh maybe your wife came from a multi-billionaire family, you know? And so she's, she's packing in all the money, you know, <laughs> uh, and things like that. I mean, you know, there, there are things that maybe would look a little different there pertaining to, 
the work issue. Um, you know, that doesn't mean, of course, that women are totally hands off in those things. When you look at the, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, which we will probably touch upon next week, the dreaded Proverbs 31 woman that makes everyone feel <laughs> so terrible, uh, you know, that she's an industrious woman. You know, she buys and she sells and she, you know, th the things that are the things that are given to the house, she flourishes uh, with those things. Yeah. And you see this, you know, complementary again, relationship between the husband and wife uh, in that way. And the work issue, you know, we know that Adam was the primary provider. Uh, and we see that even in the curse, because what is Adam's punishment? Adam's primary punishment relates to his primary responsibility as the man. Yeah. And again, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, uh, not, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the day of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, it's a curse on his primary responsibility, which is to work. Yeah. Yeah, and to, and to that point, Adam failed. Yeah, he failed, and he's cursed, yep. and we all fail. I fail. Yep. Blake fails. Every person listening to this, every guy out there, you fail. You fall short in very in in this and various ways of what it means to be biblical masculinity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and that's and that's the thing about even our heroes of the Bible, you know, of the Old Testament in particular. You know, you get this long line of here. You, know, you look at Abraham, you look at Moses, David, and you look at all, you know, Samson, you know, all these guys that, you know, we might look at as paradigms of masculinity. And yet, for all of their uh, points of righteousness, of, for all of their points of godliness and, and God's grace and mercy working out their life, they're still failures. Yeah. You know, and they still fail in, in these areas. I mean, you were talking about being the responsibility of a man to be self controlled. You have the wisest man apart from Christ ever lives Solomon who has hundreds of wives, you know, who is setting up idols. I, David, the, the man after God's own heart, yeah. you know, uh, and the, and the sin with Bathsheba. And then at the end of his life, you know, failing again in numbering the army, Yeah, you know, I mean, don't, that doesn't even get us started on, on, on Moses and Aaron and Samson and, and uh, the other judges, the, the, all the Kings, Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, all of these, you know, guys, uh, it just, it's a long line of falling short in this area of masculinity, but yeah. then a shining light hits the horizon, mm. right? The people who sat in darkness, a light shines down on them mm. and you have Christ bursting onto the scene. Amen. And so where Christ, as we mentioned before, is successful in all the areas that we fail, that includes this area of masculinity and it includes all of the mandates to men from God that Christ lives these things out perfectly. Mm. Uh, he is a perfect protector. He's a perfect provider. Uh, he is the perfect example of what it means to work and to follow uh, and to live in godliness. Uh, he is the perfect example of what it means to uh, control yourself. I mean, again and again, the list, um, humility, 
uh, one of the things that Grayson had t- said that he was going to mention. So now I've got to try to hmm. cover it, cover it for him was, is just the meekness of Christ, that power under control that he has all of the power. I mean, call, he could call legions, legions of angels down, you know, to, to, to rescue him. Um, he could speak a single word and all of his enemies could turn to dust or oatmeal or something creative like that, you know, but he doesn't, he has this power under control because he has a a mission to accomplish. So in this, so in this way, which, which then just volumes have been written on this, Christ is our example then of pure masculinity. So if you could take one character from the narrative of scripture and say, who should I live like? Yes, by all means, have the heart of, of David, uh, you know, have the wisdom of Solomon, have the strength of Samson, but they have, but they all failed, right? Mm. Christ is the one who we have this pure example of what does it mean to be a godly man? Because he is the God man, uh, the paradigm of being self-controlled, Oof. the paradigm. Yes. Of providing, right? <laughs> Let's keep going. This, <laughs> Can I get an A then? Yeah, right. You, you in the back. Yeah. Um, he is the, I mean, he is the, the again, the, the paradigm of what it means to provide and protect, you know, and sometimes people miss this, I think, because they say, well, you know, Christ wasn't married. Christ didn't have any kids. But you see in Ephesians 5, there's a direct link between Christ and the church, which is what? The bride of Christ. Yeah. And so we are commanded to love our wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. How does Christ love the church? It includes all these things. He protects the church. He guides the church. He loves the church. He gives himself for the church, right? Uh, He leads the church. You know, you can look at those classic uh, examples of what does it mean, you know, to be a man or to be a pastor or to be a father, you know, to lead your family, to to guide, to protect, um, all of those areas. Christ does that, and he gives us that example to the church in the way that he loves the church. And that's how we are to, you know, love our, our wives and our children and all those things. Um, oh, mission, life mission, you know, that Jesus never has a wasted moment, um, that he is always about the, the, the business of the Father, and he does it perfectly. Like he knows when to rest. He knows when to spend himself. Uh, he knows where to go. He has obviously godly wisdom being the God man. Uh, he, he trains up others around him. The others look at him and, and he is the example of godliness for them. I mean, these are the kind of things to be a biblical man. These are the things we're to strive for. It's not about sleeping around and uh, collecting Bugattis like Andrew Tate would have you say or have you believe. It is so much more big and beautiful than any fleshly desire could possibly conjure up. And we have Christ, again, as our example in that. Amen. And a biblically masculine man then honors Christ and follows Christ. After all. Christ says one of my favorite passages, John 14, 15, because it's so, it's so pointed and sharp and clear. Christ says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. I like how you just went King James on me. For yeah. Like a split second. Right. Right. 
yeah. but it is good. If you yeah. love me, keep my commandments. There you Sorry. go. <laughs> Sorry if you didn't understand it <laughs> earlier. You know, that's, yeah, right. Whoa, yeah. whoa. I don't understand all that old English. What is ye? Too. What is that? Ye, yeah. ye, ye, like ye? the rapper, ye? <laughs> no, that was all, yeah. Amen. Yeah. That was well said. I, if, if we didn't have anything else to say, which we've got a list of Man. Uh, characteristics that we want to walk through, just kind of a list here, but we... We could totally end the uh, podcast yeah, there. We got to hit those characteristics. We got to hit the characteristics. Um, so to that, so a godly man, as as Blake has pointed out, is conformed to the image of Christ. That that is the root of of biblical masculinity that he emulate mm -hmm. Christ. And yeah. so, in Watson's book here, gives us a lot of characteristics. Say, okay, well, what does that mean, right? So we've got a list here, and we, we were talking before we hit the record button that. There's like ten different podcasts, just in right, this, maybe right. maybe twenty. I don't know. Like, and this could, is <laughs> you could. This is such <laughs> classic Puritan fashion, too, right? Yes. So, like, as we're like putting this together, you know, we think of like, okay, well, here's a few creation mandates. Here's a few examples from Christ, and then you open up the the uh, um, the uh, not the directory or the index. What's that thing at the beginning of the book? The outline. And the outline, it's not appendix, outline. Outline. appendix, yeah, maybe I don't know, whatever that thing is called. Uh, when you look at that, the Watson, and Watson's like, oh, here's like 140 things for you to, you know, express <laughs> being a godly man. No, it's like, it's like, it's like around 30 uh, that he does, but then he expounds on each one. Like, what does it mean? What are some characteristics of a godly man? Number one, yeah, a godly man is a man of knowledge. Okay, you don't have the opportunity to, or the uh, luxury of remaining ignorant. It, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And Jack, you've probably met guys like this. I've had phases of this, I think, uh, in my life um, as an early Christian. As a, as a Christian, when I first got saved, I was really, really hungry for things, uh, for the things of God. And then kind of, I, I there's a noticeable time in my life uh, where I kind of switched into thinking like, well, I've got it all figured out, yeah, you know? And then once you get past that, you're like, I don't have anything figured out. I don't know, know anything. Yeah. Right, right. And so this whole, this whole thing of these men who have walked, who have professed to know Christ 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that are still sucking on a spiritual bottle and not, and have not moved on to meet who at any kind of theological challenge, anything that would require any any theological thought or application, simply throw their hands up and say, "Well, well, that's just I, I don't know," you know, like that's crazy. Like you realize that's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine being married to your wife 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but you don't know anything about her, you know, or you just know the very rudimentary things about her. I mean, is that a good marriage? And the answer is no. No. So foundationally, a godly man in characteristic form, we're saying foundation, I'm saying foundationally a lot on this, uh, on this podcast, this is foundational. This is foundational. It's all foundational, but that a godly man is a man of knowledge and he pursues the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. Um, Number two, yeah. a godly man. Sorry. We, I'm looking at the time and we've got, I like know, I know you're looking at these and go. I'm throwing Sorry. the brakes on. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so say we could talk so long about all. Yeah, this. we'll just go ahead and expound on each of these thirty points. Here. So <laughs> buckle up, bonus content. A godly man is move is a man moved by faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a godly man. Thirdly, 
is fired with love to God. Hmm. I like number four because it's very concise yeah. and, uh, you know, easy to do. Yeah, right. So simple, very <laughs> so simple. simple. Yeah. Number four, Mr. Watson, is a godly man is like God. Right. It's just like, man, come on. Right. Setting the bar high there. <laughs> right, right. But, but again, our example yeah. is Christ, and that's that's yeah. what he means by that. Yeah. Number five, a godly man is very exact and careful about the worship of God. Go back and that, listen to all of season one. principle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go back and listen to season one yeah. if this is like being a man who makes – I like the way he says it, exact and careful about the worship of God. Right. It's not flippant. It's not. Yeah. Fools know. worship God willy nilly. Yeah. Fools, it's fools not wander like off it. into idolatry. They wander off into idolatry. They do things that appeal, that appeal to the flesh instead of what God has commanded. Yeah. Uh, they burn strange fire. You know, they do those, those kinds of things. Yeah. Right. Cause it feels uh, cool at the time. Yeah. You know, right, one, right. one of the things, one of the things that just kind of a, an overlay for all these in Chally's book that I referenced at the beginning, mm-hmm. he, 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 he goes through a lot a list similar to this, right? Like the book's broken up like that, mm-hmm. but as a, as a filter by which he applies to all these, he says, masculinity is about, is about godly self-control, yeah, self-control yeah. and discipline. So right, right. in the context of that a godly man is very exact, careful, disciplined in how yeah. he approaches the worship of God. Yes. Yeah. So, Number six, a godly man is a servant of God. Okay. Mm. Number seven, a godly man prizes Christ. You could write a book just on that subject. Uh, Mm. Number eight, a godly man weeps. You know what? The role of emotion uh, in a a man uh, to celebrate with those who celebrate, to weep with those uh, who weep to actually have a, a heart of feeling and compassion and love uh, for those around you. Um, again, the world's concept is just to shut those things down, to be selfish yeah. and to be, you know, whatever. I'll tell you what, when I see a man, okay, cause I'm a pastor and when we're singing, you know, we're praising the Lord together as a congregation. Every once in a while you get a glimpse of a man singing with tears rolling down his cheeks that gets me every time. Like I get a little like misty eyed thinking about it, you know, like someone who is actually that uh, deeply in love with Christ that even the song, the words of a song, what Christ has done for us would move him to tears. You know, um, number nine, anyway, a godly man is a lover of the word. Hmm. Number 10, a godly man has the spirit of God residing in him. <laughs> by necessity, right? Yeah, yeah, by necessity. Yeah, right, right, right. I don't Go know Thomas Watson. That was a little, the- yeah, that was a little <laughs> bit of a cheater one there. Was Thomas Watson trying to make the word count on that one? <laughs> Number 11, a godly man is a humble man. We talked about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. A godly man, number 12, a godly man is a praying man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 13, a godly man is a sincere Man, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, um, Blake, I want you to expound on fourteen because you read this book. I've I have not because uh, yeah. I read the other one. But what does he yeah, mean yeah. here? A godly man is a heavenly man. Yeah, a godly man is a heavenly man. So it's kind of that. Uh, it's that he. I think he unfolds it. If I'm remembering correctly, because there was a lot. Uh, it, he unfolds it of that he's heavenly minded. Okay, so that mm. it, so to remove um, 
from earthly mindedness and worldly mindedness that he's heavenly, uh, that he's heavenly minded, that he has spiritual things in sight and in his mind. And then on, on top of that, that there is an air of godliness about him, almost as mm. if he came down from heaven, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that yeah. he's, uh, you know, that, that he's, and we, and we've known men like that, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Like there's been men probably in our lives with that. It's like, this is a, this is a heavenly minded, uh, a heavenly minded man. Yeah. Uh, number 15, a godly man is a zealous man. Number 16, mm. a godly man is a patient man. Number 17, a godly man is a thankful man. Mm. Number 18, a godly man is a lover of saints. Number 19, a godly man does not indulge in any sin. Mm. Number 20, a godly man is good in his relationships. A godly man, number 21, does does spiritual things in a spiritual manner. Um, wow, boy, you're talking about the big one of the big problems of Western Christian church culture, trying to accomplish spiritual things in a fleshly manner, right? Mm. Did you see that um, uh, meme that was floating around uh, this week of that mega church? I don't even know where it was that was getting people to come in uh, by doing a drawing for like a chopper. No. Yeah. See that. Yeah. They like had it up on the stage and the pastor was wearing like a camo blazer and uh, it was like, it oh, was like I did see that. super, yeah, it was like, on. yeah, it was like super mega okay. church, you know, kind of thing. But it's like, okay, yeah, we want people in the church. So let's bring them in with the things of the world and then expect to keep them. How keep them by spiritual things or keep them by, carnal things and making a bigger and better carnal thing. I mean, again, that, that is the life of the mega church for sure. I'm it's taking all my willpower not to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger, get to the chopper impression. Yeah. Get to the chopper. Yeah, right. so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you want to chop up. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Yeah. All right. I, I didn't do it. You did. Right. 22. A godly man is thoroughly trained in piety, man. That is such a big one. Yeah. Uh, 23. A godly man walks with God. Mm hmm. And then 24, this is the last one. A godly man strives to be an instrument for making others godly. Yeah. Huge. So again, if you if that if that list has piqued your interest at all, uh again, you should get uh a godly man's picture by Watson. Uh it's actually free on monergism. You can pick up a digital copy of it and it doesn't cost you anything if yeah. you want to read a digital copy. Yeah, it's a great um, list. Then, it's a really yeah, good list. And there's audio versions of it and all that good stuff too. So in conclusion, we're we're over time. We're running wild here. Getting a little crazy, you know. <laughs> in conclusion, God in creates conclusion. men and he defines what masculinity looks like. Okay. Hmm. It's not up for interpretation. He has defined it for us. Along with that, um, we have uh, the primary responsibility back to the beginning of what we were talking about. And this is the every man mandate. You may not get married. You may not be able to have children. Uh, you may not be in a position of great influence. Uh, but the every man mandate is you need to follow Christ in the current realm of responsibility that God has you. Yeah. Amen. That's it. The be, be faithful. Yeah. Be faithful yeah. to where he has you. Amen. And uh, I would just add this: encourage uh, men that are that are listening. Encourage other men. 
you know, encourage other Christian men. Uh, I cannot tell you the encouragement that I have felt by knowing Grayson and Jack. And to know that even though we're in these different places, I mean, we are literally all over the U.S., you know. Uh, but to know that there are other men that are raising their families in, in godliness, that love their wives, that are training their children, that are pursuing the Lord, like that is a huge encouragement to me. And I've been uplifted by just seeing these two brothers. Same thing in our local church, you know. And so be about, again, not only training up your children in the way that they should go and going that way yourself, but build up other men because the world hates us, right? The world hates godly men. The world hates men in general. Uh, we need to be encouraging one another. Uh, we need to be prodding one another onto godliness. We need to be confronting one another's sin in a, in a loving way. I mean, all of those things. And the best place to do that is not to just happen to come across two brothers uh, that you love and you start a podcast together and you blog with them and all stuff like that. <laughs> but the best place to do that is the local church. So if you're not in a local church, if you're not in local body, if you're not in relationship with other godly men, if you're not, uh, if you don't have examples of godly men in your life, if you're not uh, seeking to be an instrument of making others godly, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Get on it. Amen. And uh, this isn't in the outline. So I'm going off script here. Maybe yeah. in conclusion, mm. uh, the second in conclusion, um, you know, it's, it's maybe worth, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe worth, and I'm curious of your thoughts on this, Blake. Yeah. It yeah. may be worth giving some advice here to the ladies listening to this. Oh yeah. Because I think a temptation for some women, if you've made it all the way through this and you're like, well, my husband doesn't do this or, yeah. you know, whatever a temptation to, for, for you may to be, to, to act like the Holy spirit and like start criticizing him and be yeah. like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to do it. Right. You know, it's probably not the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, curious to your thoughts on this, Blake, cause I'm, I'm just kind of shooting off off the top of my head here, but yeah. oh, man. This gets if that's another, yeah, yeah, it's a whole, whole of the thing, yeah. but quickly, you know, <laughs> I don't do anything quickly, Jack. We don't do anything. <laughs> right, quickly. Right, right. Buckle up for five right. more minutes. Yeah. Um, I wish we had thought thought to to like kind of script our our response or at least outline our response here. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do biblical femininity next time. Okay. And then let's do a podcast oh, talking about idea. what I mean. What so? How can you encourage your spouse? Because that is, I mean, that's a major thing. Yeah. Of, uh, what I mean, what if your husband's not there? What if your wife is not there? That's is a it, great. Yeah, is, that's really is, good. is the solution nagging? Is it overlording? Is it nitpicking? I mean, what are some you know like practical ways uh, to work those things out? I think that would be because this that's is a, a bigger idea. subject than the PSS, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, well, the one thing I will say, um, pray for him. Yeah, you have no idea. Him. Encourage him. Pray yeah. for him. And, um, and try not to be the Holy spirit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when he does something right, reaffirm that, encourage, like, yeah, you yeah. know, encourage, like encourage that, uh, don't just, you look at all the things that he's not doing right. Uh, but, um, the things that he does do right, encourage him in those things. It's that whole, uh, love and respect paradigm that yeah. you see, uh, in scripture and we'll cover that. Yeah. We'll get into that. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I guess the last thing I'll say here is 
Quiet Place with Chuck. <laughs> 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 <laughs>